Do leaders always have to have their act together? Unpacking this question with us today is Manjot Kaur, who tells us about her year as the Executive Director at Mentor Me India, an organization providing mentorship to children from low-income communities. Manjot shares how her authoritative leadership style left her team feeling stressed, tired, and unwilling to cooperate with her. Ultimately, her inability to engage constructively with team members also contributed to the organization's failure to meet its objectives. Hi, I'm Tanaya, and you're listening to Failure Files, a podcast by India Development Review, or IDR. Our show features highly relatable narratives of failure by people working on complex issues of social change. Their stories remind us that the path to resilience cannot be built on success alone. Failure is a necessary condition for it. And now, let's hear from Manjot. I'd like to talk about my year as the Executive Director of Mentor Me India, or MMI, which was from March to December 2016. Even though I've failed before that year and since, that one year will always stand out, most darkly in my memory. Because if you trim the complex web of explanations, what remains really is the simple truth that I failed as a leader at various levels. My actions not only caused me and others a lot of emotional distress, but also contributed to the organization's failure to meet its objectives. My failure that year taught me a lot about leadership, about compassion, and maybe most importantly about listening. But not before my actions caused at least three people to quit the organization. One of those three people was me. I came to MMI less than fully prepared to take on the role of the executive director. Having previously led teams of different sizes at the Clinton Health Access Initiative and at the Indian Navy, I had assumed that this was adequate preparation to lead an eight-member team of people in their early 20s who had chosen to build their careers around children. I came to MMI in a blaze of glory. Ex-colleagues cheered me on expressing fervent hopes to see me create a national level organization. And my new team greeted me with the warmest welcome I had ever received in my career. So when it started unraveling, it was that much harder to deal with. My challenges were primarily related to my inadequate capacity to lead and motivate my team. I do have a tendency to be authoritative. And if I'm fully honest, Even when I think that I'm being collaborative, I'm actually being directive. Partly due to some expectations that the founder had created, partly due to my leadership style, the team and I ended up creating a me versus them structure very early in our relationship. Our ambitions for the organization were also dramatically misaligned. Most members of the team believe that we should assess and consolidate our existing work before expanding, but I was convinced that consolidation and expansion could be done together. I wanted to take our program from three classrooms to at least 10 schools in my first year of the organization. How else would I know that I had been successful? My team struggled to keep up with my expectations. They grew increasingly stressed, tired, 
And finally, sullen and uncooperative. And my response was to become even more authoritative until things reached an impasse. 10 months into the role, I was diagnosed with anxiety and advised therapy. 11 months into the role, I resigned. Two other people on my team resigned as well. We all claimed that we were resigning because we were leaving the city, but we all knew that the truth was that we could not work together anymore. My failure that year taught me a lot. Even in the early days, I had noted that the team and I seemed to have different goals for MMI, but I hadn't really tried to understand why. I also hadn't been open to believing that their view of what MMI should be may have been a more realistic option than mine. In hindsight, I know that it wasn't just a mixture of hubris and ambition that stopped me from seeing some pretty obvious truths. It was also my reluctance to engage in what I saw as soft skills back then, those that involved forging interpersonal connections. My first learning from this experience was that it's important to spend time understanding team dynamics. Often it was unclear who the leader was. Was it me or was it the founder? And the team struggled as a result. Knowing what I know now, I would have spent more time trying to understand the team dynamics and the causes of conflict. Had I paid attention to those things, I would have understood that our conflict around to scale or not to scale was not really a conflict. It was a symptom of the team feeling unheard in multiple instances. Second, I realized the importance of being open to different working styles. Not everyone works at the same pace and everyone's pace can be accommodated in a way that works for the team and the organization. I remember rolling my eyes in frustration when a coworker spoke about her unwillingness to work on a weekend. Three years later, I've designed a four day work week for myself so that I can invest time in creative projects. I have to acknowledge that she was right to protect her weekends. And I was wrong to assume that my work ethic was the only one that was professional. Third, don't shy away from asking for help. That's something I've learned. Leadership isn't a magic label that you acquire the instant you put a designation after your name. It's a very tangible set of authentic, brave actions that have the potential to move people. I used to think that leaders should never seem short of fully competent. So I hid all my doubts and vulnerability under layers of fake bravado, which made it harder for the team to talk to me. If I had known what I do now, I would have done the more brave thing, admitted my fears and asked for help. When I did ask for help, it was after I had left the organization. And it was to understand what I could have done differently. Through conversation after conversation with leaders I admire, what I've learned is that what I went through is so common that they actually have names for it. One coach called it the classic founder-director conflict around scale-up. Knowing that others have experienced the exact same brand of failure is very comforting now, but it could have empowered me then. And finally, what I've learned is not only to be kinder towards myself, but also to take my own needs seriously. A few months after resigning, I was sharing my story with someone, and I summed up my stint at MMI as uh, less than successful. I wasn't even able to say the word failure. That has changed. 
The way I see it now is that I made mistakes, absolutely. But it was a complex set of factors that contributed to that dramatic fiasco of a year. A year that made me a better, braver leader and a more interesting person, I hope. Failure Files is produced by Rachita Vora, Shreya Adhikari, and me, Tanaya Jagdiani. This podcast is part of a larger initiative at IDR, where alongside 15 partners, we're creating a space for candid conversations around failures and social impact. To read more about this growing movement, check us out at idronline.org. You can also share your own failure story with us at write to us at idronline.org. Thank you for listening and see you next week.